season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Texas 12 Youth Director for South Texas. We got Trey Sanchez on the JKR Podcast for the Mind, the Texas 12 Baseball Series, powered by Mind Baseball. Trey, super pumped to get you on the show. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Thank you for having me. It's a it's an honor to be a part of, of your podcast and just really just get a chance to talk about 12 and, and promote that in any way that I can. So really honored to be here, brother. Thank you. Awesome. I appreciate it. You know, appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I'm pumped to dig into the Texas 12. You know, like I said, last weekend was our first weekend. You know, had Coach Bennett, Coach Knox, nice, nice. Mangum. You know, I'm having a six-week series with you guys digging into, you know, alumni, right. players, coaches, directors like yourself. Just digging into the Texas 12 program as, as a whole. I mean, I know you guys are one of those top tier travel baseball programs here in the country. So as soon as right. I get connected with Greg, you know, try try to work this out. So Pumpkin yeah, is one of those coaches. But before we dig into the baseball side of things and talk about your Texas 12, your coaching career and all that, I have one question I'd like to dig in with everybody that gets on the podcast. And that right. is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Trey Sanchez? Trey Sanchez, myself, I am a person of, of faith, number one, uh, family man, number two, and baseball guy slash business manager, number three. Uh, that's the best way I can sum it up. You know, I grew up with the motto of four principles, God, family, school, baseball, right? So trans, uh, fast forwarding into my career now with 12, um, I've tried to continue to embody those principles. So if I can sum it up for you, it's – Man of faith, family man, baseball man, baseball guy, business manager. Okay. So you talk about one of those four principles was baseball mm -hmm. growing up. So how did – what was your role in baseball? Were you a ball player? Yeah. Played ball, ball in high school down there in Texas? Or take yes. us through where your start in baseball kind of got rolling. Sure, yeah. So I, I started playing ball just pretty much like everybody else, five years old, you name it, all the way through um, high school. Had a chance to play college, uh, blew out my knee my senior year. So that wasn't in the fold for me, uh, which is, which was fine. 
Um, and so I just, so I hung them up the cleats there. And then from that point on, went to uh, Texas A&M University um, to study, ended up studying sport management, um, got my bachelor's and master's in sport management. And so between that time, I would say a little bit distant from the game, right, but still kind of involved in whatever capacity, you know, tra small training here and there. Um, fast forward to the fall of 2020, uh, got connected with um, the Texas A&M baseball director of operations, Jason Hutchins or Hutch. And he's actually the guy that referred me to 12. And so that's kind of how, in a nutshell, I got I got started with 12. Um, we connected and then I shot an email over to, to Kevin Hodge and Mark Mangum over in College Station because that's where I was at the time. And uh, they gave me an opportunity in the fall. And here I am. Okay, so you said Hutch was the one that referred you, but you yeah. took sports management classes at AM, which I'm talking Correct. to Coach Bennett. I, I hear you guys call him Dr. Bennett there at AM. He's a professor for sports marketing and management. Yeah. Did you have some sort of prior relationship with him there or yeah. trying to meet him with the 12? Yeah, no. So uh, I, I didn't uh, have an initial relationship with him. Uh, one of his colleagues, actually, his name is. Uh, Dr. I'm, gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now. He's one of his, I'll think of the name in a minute, but he was actually the first person that introduced me or brought the name of Texas 12. Um, at the time I was, I think it was probably the summer um, of 2019. I was a junior and undergrad at the time. And I was trying to get my foot in the door with uh, some sport, sport management experience, right? Just break my, break my way into the sport industry. And, and I met with uh, this professor, who I'll, I'll try to remember his name shortly. Um, and he said, hey, look, if this is what you want to do, I mentioned him. My end goal was to do baseball operations for a Power 5 uh, baseball program, right? He said, a great way to start is Texas 12. He said, you need to get in contact with Kevin Hodge and Texas 12. That was the very first time that I'd ever heard of Texas 12. Okay. Um, so – Fast forward to the end of the fall that year, like I said, ended up following back with them. But I didn't meet Greg until I was probably, you know, midway through uh, my first year in coaching with 12, which was in 2021. OK, so before we dig into coaching, before we dig into Texas 12, I'm a sports management marketing major right now at Indiana. Oh, nice. nice. I, I use sports marketing management program as somewhat near the near the uh, way A&M's is. But can I think okay. some of those sports marketing, sports management classes are at a and I mean, like I said, you look kind of young. You said what you were yeah. doing in 2020. So, I mean, that wasn't too long ago. So take us no. through those classes. No, yeah, definitely. So um, probably blanking. I was actually junior 2019, senior 2020. So I got my bachelor's in sport management 2020, my master's um, just this past summer 22. But the sport marketing was more of the master's route that I, whenever I kind of got into it with, with Greg and a couple of other his colleagues. So um, definitely more um, application-based, I would say, for sure. Um, obviously, you know, going through undergrad, you get a lot of the, you know, just the standard educational pieces, right? Not so much hands-on stuff. So a lot of things that I thought, you know, Greg did a good job of was making everything applicable to everybody that was in his class, whether, you know, they were just a full-time student, part-time uh, part student, or full-time student, part-time worker, whatever it was, 
a lot of the, the curriculum was very applicable in terms of giving us the um, flexibility and kind of making our projects, our assignments, our own, right? And that's probably a good way to kind of sum up the the undergraduate as far as, you know, kind of going to your junior, senior year, as well as your master's uh, program with Texas A&M Sport Management is, you know, it, it, they really give you a chance to kind of find yourself, find your niche in the sport industry, right? By kind of giving you a lot of uh, foundational principles in different areas of the sport uh, industry to kind of find what works for you and what you enjoy doing. Yeah. So you were a college student in College Station for five or six years. I'm a college student yeah. right now. I think nice. I'm going to College Station here for, you know, maybe a weekend trip, go watch Texas and baseball. What are nice. some lessons you have for me this upcoming spring or fall, whatever, you know, whether that's, you know, maybe a local okay. bar, restaurants to check oh, out. Yeah. What are some of those suggestions you got for me? Okay. Number one, uh, obviously you already got Bluebell Park. Number one, Dixie Chicken. Okay, you got to go to Dixie Chicken. I don't okay. know if you've probably heard that before. Uh, bar slash uh, restaurant slash hangout spot, right? That's 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 a staple. Uh, I'm going to say Wings and More. Wings and More College Station. So it's a it's a pretty popular uh, wing place in, in not only just College Station, but throughout the state of Texas, or at least College Station and down south, right? Okay. okay. Uh, Wings and More, too. Um, gosh, let me see. Number three, you're gonna you're gonna judge me because I'm a big wing and chicken guy. Number three is Lane's Chicken Fingers. You got to go to Lane's Chicken Fingers. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, Lane's Chicken Fingers. Uh, make sure you get ranch. Okay, don't get the just the Lane sauce. Get ranch. And then let me see what else. Um, of course, you got to check out Twelve's facility over there. That's okay. easy. And yeah, that's you the can. Get, that's the plan, especially with all the yeah. relationships I'm making with you guys. When I yeah, head down there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shoot some text to somebody. You know, get inside that 12 facility. Yeah, man. yeah. Get hit, hit me up. Well, I'll get you connected with Greg. Yeah, I, I'll definitely be texting you about you know ch checking out that Texas 12 facility when I'm down there. For in sure, for sure. Uh, but no, let's kind of dig into your starting coaching. You said, you know, the Texas A&M baseball coach kind of got you connected with the Texas 12 with Coach Hodge. So kind of take us through what that start was like in coaching. You know, maybe what those first couple of days were like, maybe an interview process of how you got connected with the 12. Yep. Take us through that beginning there a little bit. For sure. Yeah. So after I got connected with Hutch um, at A&M, I look, ended up looking up Texas 12 on on website and shot an, an email over to Kevin Hodge, who at that point forwarded to Mark Mangum, had no idea who Mark was, didn't know what, why Kevin forwarded to Mark. Right. Mm -hmm. So anyway, fast forward to a couple, couple of days later, I get an email saying, Hey, we'll set up an interview for you. Okay. So me being me, right. Me being a, a good uh, college student, I had tons of interview prep, training and, and curriculum and you name it right so print out my resume print out my cover letter references dress to the nines you name it right um so we actually get to meet early on like a tuesday morning at like 8 a.m over at this facility 12 facility in college station and uh, i get there of course get there early right mark mark ends up pulling up in his car who i didn't know who he was at the time right Anyway, I get down, Mark opens the door, and the first thing he tells me is, dude, you are way overdressed. That was the very first thing Mark Mangum told me. 
right? And I was just like beyond embarrassed. I was like, oh, great, right? I mean, Mark's wearing a t-shirt, shorts, right? And trainer shoes, okay? So anyway, uh, we get to through our interview. Uh, Kevin Hodge ended up showing up and we got to talking. At this time, it's probably about September of 2020. So um, their season had already kicked off, right? Uh, as well as, you know, their, their coaching staff assignments, you name it. So basically what ended up happening was I took a volunteer spot with them. I volunteered with them um, to help out as needed, whether it be at practices, right, fill in for games, um, you name it. And so I took that and, you know, I, I made the most out of it. So that's kind of when I got to start with, uh, with 12 in the fall of 2020. So I was kind of helping out, which at that time was like the 10U, 11U age range, uh, helping out with practices, got to coach a couple of games, right? So that's kind of when I started to really get into my coaching experience with, with 12. And then at which point at the end of the, the fall season, when spring picked up, there was a chance that there may be a coaching spot open or may not, right? And my message to Kevin and Mark was, look, I, I just want to be involved. You know what I mean? Um, so whatever that looks like, just let me know. And thankfully, there was a, a coaching spot that was open uh, beginning at the spring of 2021. And so uh, I was officially hired on full time 12 in the spring of 2021. And so from that point on, I coached through College Station. Um, actually, backtrack a little bit. Shortly after I got on board at full time with 12 um, in February, like a little bit after that, uh, I was asked uh, where I, where exactly I was from. Um, and I let them know that I was from South Texas, Corpus Christi. And that's kind of, I guess that's kind of when, you know, there was some thoughts that were stirring about, you know, if I would be a suitable fit to at some point come down to South Texas to um, take on a more leadership role with 12, as far as youth director or any type of director's role. Um, and so I had zero idea you know, zero or zero like desire to actually come back home or anything like that. So that's kind of when the, the, the seed was planted. And so I ended up coaching there until the summer of 22 and then six months or six, seven months ago, I relocated back to my hometown of Corpus Christi. And I assumed the director of operate youth operations for South Texas. Okay. So in that fall of 2020, you're a volunteer coach there. What was that toughest transition of, you know, going as going from a ball player, you know, three, four years prior in high school to, you know, mm -hmm. making that transition as a coach? Because obviously it's a lot different. You know, I'm, I was a ball player, but I'm sure I couldn't go out, you know, and try to coach little kids. So, like, what was that, you know, that, that big learning curve for you? And what were some of those transitions and what was toughest there from that transition? Uh, the toughest part was the education piece for sure, right? I, it was an adjustment to figure out um, how each – each ball player learn right and how for me right the the learning challenge for me was how can I teach this right because during that time I wasn't involved with the game or whatever I did do a lot of studying of the game right going back and looking at my my career even though it is in high school right what are some things that I did right and what are some things I did wrong right and just kind of wrapping my head around that so I did have a couple of like years of just you know studying and you know look, studying the game, studying players, you name it, right? Um, so the hardest part for me was figuring out how to 
connect the pieces with the education piece based on and as well as the generation that I was trying to to educate right from a player standpoint um being on the younger side I think that helped a lot right because I was the closest one in age to these guys you know whether they were 10 or they were 16 right um so that was that did help which at that time I was 24 I was 24 at that time um so it was uh, very, very beneficial, but definitely a challenge in the beginning for the first, you know, really the first year was definitely the education piece. I'm sure. So as a volunteer coach, like what were some of those job duties and what were some of those things that they had you doing? I'm sure there were some sort of limitations when it came to, you know, mm-hmm. what they wanted you doing. So what did that look like as the volunteer coach? Yeah. So basically what that looked like I was basically a rover. Um, I roved from practices, whether it was from, for an 8U, 9U, 10U, or 13U, 14U, whatever it was, whatever they needed, uh, Mark would send me uh, to that spot because my at the time my schedule was a lot, was pretty open, you know, to be honest. So um, he said we would, I would do practices. Uh, I was a fill-in coach for our fall games uh, in College Station. We have like Sunday doubleheader leagues. So we'll play on a Sunday afternoon, um, either locally or within the Houston area. So – uh, I would fill in for those teams as well. Um, I was limited to the uh, game management. Oh, I'm sorry, not game management, but like the scripting, like the lineups and stuff. I was given all that stuff. So my job was to just execute it and go coach, right, um, which was fine because at the time I didn't really know a whole lot of players. I was still trying to to get to know players and, and other coaches and general managers, right. Um, so I was still trying to find myself as a coach as well. So those were the that was pretty much the the major limitation that I had, which was not anything against me. It was just you know what it was because I was still new and fold, right? So that was basically the in a nutshell what what it looked like from a from a volunteer standpoint was just a rover. Mm-hmm. So as spring 2021 comes about, there's a spot that's opening up, but you're kind of, you know, you what your main goal is to be involved. How does that come about to where you become, you know, officially hired as a coach? And then how are some of those, some of those limitations taken away when, you know, you actually were an official coach for the Texas 12? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it really came about, you know, right after the beginning of the new year in 2021 uh, conversation I had with Mark uh, about, Hey, we may have a job. We may not. Um, do you still want to be in, involved? You know, this is what we may be able to compensate you. This is what we may not. And I, my message, like I said, was, hey, man, um, if, you, if you're willing to have me, I'm willing to be it. I don't care, you know, about the rest of it, right? So um, once we kind of got – once I kind of got fully transitioned to the role, now really the limitations were off as far as, you know, game management, right, roster management, uh, practice planning, like all that stuff fell – in my in my wheelhouse right and so <clears throat> through a lot of mentorship from mark um as well as uh a, his uh or the associate director for college station uh also one of my good friends zach Slayton, who is uh, now the cfo for 12 baseball along with being a direct associate director in college station through those two guys i was able to kind of find my way as a coach and and really um do try to do an excellent job in those duties such as roster management, game management, uh, practice planning, communication, you know, you name it. Right. So those were the, those were kind of the pieces that I was tasked with uh, initially. 
And then as I progressed as a coach uh, through Mark and through Zach, they were kind of, I guess they were able to identify that I probably had a little bit more upside uh, than what was initially thought of. Right. So therefore I became more valuable, I would say, and I was just willing to help out in whatever way I could out within my team, of course, that I was assigned to, but as well as outside. Of it, mm-hmm. Right. And so that's kind of how uh, it looked like for the, from the time I got hired full time for the next six to eight months, that's what it was pretty much entailed. So as Mark and Zach kind of took you underneath their wings, you know, these past two and a half years, you know, kind of show you the ropes of coaching baseball. Uh, what are some of those most valuable things that you've learned from both of those guys? Really? I think the biggest piece is how to communicate. Number one, um, how to educate number two and how to lead by example. Right. Those are the biggest things for me, because uh, coming up through uh, as a player. Right. Those were things that I had a taste of, but it wasn't consistent. Right. Through coaches or, you know, role models that I had as far as the baseball game goes. Right. So I was very uh, fortunate. Right. To learn those three things. So communication in terms of how do you deal with parents? Number one, with your team. Right. Number two is how do you communicate with your players, right? Every player on your team learns differently, responds to your communication style, your coaching style differently, right? So what's a good way to kind of get like a general base, right, with everybody and then build from there, right? Number three was how to lead by example on the field, right? So not necessarily to lead through, obviously, my my words, but lead through action, right? So you know, it, if I was frustrated with how practice was going, like I wasn't going to verbalize that in a negative way. Right. It was going to be more of a community of a conversation based, but a, a stern and respectful conversation with my players. And so those are kind of the things that I learned from them. Of course, like the, the tangibles of practice plan, like I never done a practice plan. Right. Uh, well, what that should look like. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that we do now is like through Google Sheets or Excel, right? So I really got to take a good grasp into into those areas, um, you know, how to script script games, right? So you balance out, okay, who, who needs to play where, how many innings does this guy need to have on the mound, you know, vice versa, right? So those, those are some of the examples, the tangible examples that really I really benefited from through Zach and Mark's leadership which they got that from from the man himself, Kevin Hodge. So it's really all a combination of all three of those guys. Okay. So on when it comes to the tangible side of things, like you mentioned, the practice plans, the game scripts, what exactly do those kind of look like? You dug into mm-hmm. it a little bit in terms of, you know, examples, but take us through, you know, how you go about, you know, scheduling those, formatting those, yeah. kind of what those look like. Yeah. So basically really what it is, it's, you know, based on the, the practice time that we have that we're assigned that, the area director will assign as well as who's going to be practicing with you. So is it just going to be your team, my team, or is it going to be a combination of other teams? In my particular case at that time, myself and Zach Slayton were in charge of the uh, 10U age group, right? So I got to work really closely with Zach. And so what that entailed was getting with him or he getting with myself and figuring out a plan of, okay, how do we, how do we want to roll out with practice today? So what we would do is we'd get on a spreadsheet, uh, we'd share it with each other, and we'd break it down by time, right? By time, by our rosters, 
right? Um, and we'd go through like the basics. So we'd start off, okay, well, we have a throwing program that we put every all of our players through. So we'd start off with our throwing program or our lunch series. I'm sorry, our lunch series first, right? We'd stretch out together, then our throwing program, and then we'd go to our individual uh, skill work, right? So for example, um, I was pretty good with the outfielders. So I would take the outfield group and we'd go do fly ball communication or um, fly ball fungo or just, you know, individual fly ball skill work, footwork, you name it. Uh, Zach would take the infielders and then we'd flip, right? So, but we'd have it break bro broken down by time, by time and by groups. If we had a bigger group, we'd break it down by groups, right? Um, when it was just two teams, my, my team and Zach's team, we'd break our team down, which at the time was 11 players per team each on each team. So 22 total, we'd break them down into, you know, four or five groups and we'd rotate them through. Um, so that's kind of what it looked like. Um, as far as the planning goes, it was very collaborative. Like I said, with Zach and myself, what, what did my team need to work on? What did his team need to work on? And we'd kind of come together and figure out, um, what was the best plan? Um, as far as individual skill work, team defense, right, uh, hitting, whatever that may be. Um, you know, oftentimes it was together. Sometimes it was, hey, you you take your team, do your thing. I'll take mine, do my thing. But we we also collaborated on timing, right? Like I'll have the infield for the 45 minutes. You have the infield for the last 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell, that's kind of just how we would go about it. But majority of the time, it was literally scripted on a spreadsheet, right? By time, by, you know, the name of whatever we were going to work on, our groups, we print it out, stick it on a clipboard, hang it on the dugout, and our players were trained to go look at, okay, what are we doing today? So. Okay, so you talk about throwing program there. Is that just for the pitchers, or is that when you say throwing pro program, are you talking about when they're doing their their uh, pre practice? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's our it's so it's our it's every player. It's our pre it's our throwing program for all of our players. In our program, so it's a certain like warm up routine, if you will. Um, it's a it's a very it's a step by step uh, progression throwing progression that I believe. Uh, Mark Mangum actually helped kind of cultivate Mark and Kevin uh, cultivated a while back. And so um, that's kind of how majority of our teams, at least in college station at that time. And for sure down here in South Texas, I believe, I believe every other branch does it as well. Um, in some variation of it, uh, we have a standardized throwing program that we put our players through. Okay. And do you mind me asking what type, what that throwing program is? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, first one, so it's, I can give you like the, the, the first like four or five because the first four after that one, it, it kind of varies depending on age. But the first one, um, at least what we do here in South Texas and what uh, College Station does is we call it whip drill. So basically, we, you know, glove starts close to the body, we pull, pull the scaps back and whip the ball through, right? Flat feet squared up with your partner. Um, so that's kind of like the first one, you know, shorter distance, of course. And then we'll go into our uh, pivot picks. So basically step back a little bit. You're facing your partner. You're facing this way. You and me are throwing. I'll face it this way. You're facing the other way. I rotate here, right? Nice and tight, and I throw to you. Uh, rock, then the next one's rocker, rocker drill. So I'll rock forward, rock back, and then throw. And then the last one will be uh, 
either not the last one, but jumping wind up or walking wind up, right? So it's basically just a step and throw progression um, for our younger guys and our older guys as well. Um, between those things, we'd have different types or between each of those progressions, we'd have a different type of like catch play drill. So whether it was a tag drill, uh, you know, cut drill, like between the, one of the throws, but cut, 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 right? Um, just to kind of mix it up, right? Keep the guys active is working on something other than just throwing. Um, but those are like the basic four, if I'm not mistaken, of um, what our throwing program would look like. So with that, you know, that pre-practice throwing program, pre-game throwing program, is there a different program for pitchers in the Texas 12 program? Or how exactly does that work when it comes to maybe how pitchers warm up as a Texas 12 player? Um, so I, I believe – Generally speaking, I believe that there is, to be honest, I'm not a pitcher guy by any means. Uh, I'll defer that to like Mark um, or Kevin, right? Uh, but I think when you talk like from a practice standpoint, like we never really just, you know, isolate, hey, pitchers only need to throw like, at least from the youth, from the youth guys, you got to remember at that time we were 10, 11. So in our eyes, every single guy was a pitcher, right? Because we're throwing fastballs, we're throwing changeups and that's it, Right. So a lot of what we did was foundational built upon that. Now, if you go into the specifics of, you know, as you get kind of older into like the 13U, 14U groups, um, I'm sure that there was, but I wasn't privy to it at that time. Um, but now as like a youth director, yes, there are certain progressions that um, we'll run our pitchers through uh, versus just everybody else, right? Depending on what the practice will entail. So if we're going to throw live bullpens or we're going to throw bullpens, then, we'll have them warm up a little bit differently than what we would have uh, everybody else do for sure. Okay. So we've talked about your relationships you have with Zach Slayton, with Mark Mangum. What are some of those relationships you have, you know, beyond those guys? So, you know, coach, uh, coach Hodge, coach, whoever, mm -hmm. Roninger, whoever happens to be, what are some of those relationships beyond Mark and Zach? Yeah, no, definitely. I, so I, I was grateful enough and fortunate enough to be able to connect with a lot of coaches in College Station, a couple in Katy, Woodlands, and obviously here in South Texas now. Um, but Broniger, of course, you mentioned. Uh, Greg as well, Kevin. Uh, there was a couple of other coaches there in College Station um, that I had, you know, the privilege to, to really network and meet. Um, you know, there was, um, you know, guys that had a lot of, expertise within the game, outside the game in life, right? Played pro ball, played college ball, right? You name it. So I was fortunate enough to kind of really get to pick those guys' brains um, as far as, you know, <clears throat> that goes, and which at that time I was just centered in College Station. So it was those guys and those guys only. But majority of those guys, like what I talked about was Roniger for one, um, Kevin, of course, which took some time for me to kind of get uh, connected with Kevin. Uh, just because he's so busy with, you know, managing the ship, right? And so Bra Ryan Broniger, you know, Zach Slade and Mark Mango. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think who else. Um, there's a guy named, <coughs> excuse me, a um, couple GMs that kind of volunteered with us on a, on a like, administrative basis that would help out. Uh, mine was a guy named Brandon Borski, uh, Zach's had one named Harry Moore. Uh, those guys had tons of, you know, connections within baseball, outside of baseball that I got, you know, to be uh, exposed to. Um, so it was, it was a cultivation of a lot of different 
relationships that I had to um, that I was able to be a part of for sure. Okay. So, you know, you start as a, as a, as a volunteer coach, you know, go to a regular coach when it comes to in college station, you said South Texas is one of the newest branches to the Texas 12. You were the youth director there. So how mm -hmm. does like how do you go from a coach in college station for the Texas 12 to now youth director? Take us through maybe when those conversations got started, how that all came about, take us through that journey a little bit. No, definitely. Uh, as far as how, how does that kind of go, I, I think you'd have to ask uh, you know, Kevin Hodge and guys like that because he's the one that makes the makes the calls at the end of the day. But as far as like my journey to that point, it really just kind of started um, by a question that was asked to me by Mark Mangum, right? Uh, he at the time I had just started my master's program. The same, the same around the same time I had started. Uh, I was fully hired as a coach with 12 in College Station, asking what my plans were after I got my master's degree. Um, and at the time, I, I really I really didn't know uh, because <clears throat> I knew that I wanted to stay in the sport industry. I knew that um, where I was currently doing uh, along, along with 12 with my day job at the university uh, in the athletics department, I knew that that was going well. There was potentially a future there. Um, I, and I was just kind of praying and, and hoping for, you know, connections and opportunities to arise within that time period. But basically what happened was Mark asked me if I would be interested in, would I ever move back home is what he asked me. He's like, what were my plans? Would I ever move back home to Corpus Christi? Once he figured out that's where I was from. Right. Um, and my response to him was it was going to have to, it was going to have to be the right opportunity. For me to do that i had I, at that time i had no intentions of returning back to my hometown uh to settle down uh my my uh girlfriend at the time was now my fiance we were you know she was working in houston uh i was there in college station so we had every intentions of either staying in college station or you know probably going to the houston area right and so i guess during that time you know i guess um the conversations were talking as far as, you know, what needed to happen down here in South Texas from a leadership standpoint, management standpoint. Um, of course, I wasn't privy to those, but I guess I was designated or I guess identified as a potential candidate for that. And then fast forward to June of 2021, we had just started our high school uh, program, which my first year with 12, I was, I was selected to be a high school summer coach, uh, which is a phenomenal experience that I'm so grateful for. Um, so fast forward to that time, we just started our practice and I got an email from, from Kevin Hodge saying, Hey, um, remind me today of practice to talk to you about Corpus. Right. And I didn't think anything of it. I was like, okay, cool. And, uh, so during that conversation, you know, he kind of really just basically introduced the idea, right. Of youth director, uh, as far as, you know, what was going, the current state of South Texas at that time, uh, what they, what he was looking for in a role like that, uh, what he wanted to see out of the branch, right? What he wanted to see out of the person that would uh, take on that, that responsibility. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, the timeline he gave me was a year from when we started, uh, which was this June of 2021 at the kind of conversation, right? So obviously it wasn't anything that was going to happen tomorrow or the next day for that time of conversation. 
So, of course, I had time to think about it. And at that point, it took me a couple couple months to really just kind of dwell on it, to figure out, you know, is this something I'd be interested in? What does this look like? You know what I mean? And then fall of 22, um, that's when, you know, conversations continue to stir up as far as, hey, you know, are you, are you, do you really want to do this? And <clears throat> I told them that I was very interested in doing it. Uh, I had decided I had prayed. I talked to my family that, you know, this was the, I felt that this was the right opportunity for myself based on what I wanted to do professionally and personally, uh, where I was at in my life. Um, at that time, I was already engaged. And so we had aspirations to come home. Right. And um, I basically told Kevin, hey, uh, I'm, I'm in. Let's do it. And so that's kind of how we got started. Right. I, I did finish out my coaching tenure there for the season um in spring of i'm sorry spring of 22 right uh finished out there finished my master's uh program in the summer of 22 finished my job at the university in the in the spring of 22 and then started with uh 12 as a director youth director full-time august 1 of, of last year okay so with that role change what were some how did some of those job duties job responsibilities change um, you know, going from a coach of a team to, you know, being the director of, you know, six different age groups, what were some of those just, how, did, what was that transition and how did those job duties kind of change? Oh man, it was, it was massive. <laughs> uh, it was quite, quite the change for sure. Um, it went from just kind of having, you know, five, five areas of responsibility, such as game management, uh, roster management, practice planning, communication, right. Um, and then miscellaneous is what I tell our coaches. So from those five to about 50, <laughs> um, no, I'm joking, but like quite significantly. So from those five, right. Cause I still, I do coach a team here. So those five along with uh, staffing personnel, right. Um, communication with, with families, parents on a consistent basis, coaches, GMs, um, emails, right, uh, attendance tracking for, for coaches, practice coordination. Set, and now I'm actually setting up, finding practice locations, setting up the rentals, sending out the dates, right? Um, a few minor, few a few miscellaneous, like financial stuff, basic things that I can, you know, have responsibility over uh, outside of actually paying, right? Um a lot of spreadsheets for just management of schedules, uh, roster selection, roster placement, uh, tryout information, um, logisticals for um, hotels, for families, um, insurance, just all the things really. So that it definitely did take a change uh, or it definitely did change quite significantly, especially in the beginning. Right. Um, and so now <clears throat> majority of my day is not necessarily a baseball coach. Uh, it's a it's as a business manager. Um, so that's kind of like the best way I could describe this role is the coach comes secondary. Right. Uh, which I, I love. I enjoy doing that. Uh, I, I love it so much. But what this role requires is a lot of business management skills and expertise as far as logistical stuff. Uh, scheduling, you know, time management, communication, efficiency, you name it. Yeah. 
So you show up to Corpus Christi in the Texas 12 South Texas branch. I mean, pretty much exactly six months ago. So what yeah. you show up there, like, what is the state of the program? You show up, you know, there's still, you know, maybe two years into them starting. Mm -hmm. I know you said it's one of the newer ones. Um, right. what, what does that program look like when you show up? And maybe what are some different ways that you've kind of, you know, maybe changed it or, you know, kept it rolling these past six months? Yes. No, when I showed up, it was in a great spot, really, from um, a staffing standpoint, right, from the people that we had involved from a, from a coaching staff to players, right, to administrators, you name it. Um, it was in a really good spot, and it was, and you could really foresee being outside of it the the growth that it was probably gonna gonna experience, right? So it was definitely right at its infancy, I'd say, from the massive growth phase of the program. So when I got here, it was a lot of you know uh, acclimation to the people, right, the coaches. Um, the environment, which I had an idea of, right, just being from South Texas. Uh, but obviously there was new, thing, new things that I needed to get privy to, right? And then also a big one was the, uh, the timing of everything, you know, kind of going into the fall, right? Um, I actually got down here when, right like two weeks before, three weeks before we had our, our tryouts for the year. Uh, which was at the end of July. And I relocated back to Corpus uh, like July 1st. And fast forward to our tryouts, we had over 200 people, 200 players try out for our program. Now that was from 8U through 14U, right? But we had that amount of people for sure, which had never happened in, in like our area's history from, you know, 12, but also from other select organizations in the area. So it was it was pretty it was in a pretty good spot I have to be honest uh, the, the coaches that were here the administrators that were here did a phenomenal job in kind of setting the the foundation pieces um, for for me right to kind of come in here and obviously you know uh, try to improve certain areas of, of the business side right but as far as the coaching goes like it's it's never skipped a beat and I think that because of where we are today, right? We're definitely, you know, uh, reaping the benefits of, of those um, people and in in, that have kind of laid the foundation. Um, it's really a testament to those people, right? And the coaches. I've just kind of tried to make their lives easier and, and be a resource to them in whatever way that I can. Same thing goes for, you know, the families and the parents as well. So that's kind of where it's at at the moment. So with the program being in such great shape when you show up there and you being in charge of staffing for the Texas 12, have you had the opportunity to go and, you know, hire coaches for this upcoming summer or what does that look like when it comes to staffing? Yeah. So I, I've had the opportunity from a youth standpoint to kind of hire um, some really good coaches uh, from the time that I got here, uh, which was you know in July to, to now. Um highly valuable uh, assets to the program, not just from a coaching standpoint, but from a, a, a leader of men standpoint, uh, as well as, you know, <clears throat> several, you know, experience, several years of experience, at the college level, uh, professional level, you name it, right. Um, down here in South Texas, you know, uh, notoriety is a very big thing, which is fine. Right. And so knowing, knowing that and being privy to that, uh, I'm blessed that, the people that I've been able to hire or 12 has been able to hire in South Texas um, 
check that box on top of being a good person, right? Um, so I, I have, as far as the summer goes, that's usually more for our high school uh, program, which I help with as a coach. But outside of that, that's about it. Um, my colleague, uh, Marty Smith, who is was the longtime pitching coach and recruiting coordinator at Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, uh, here, here in uh, Corpus Christi, um, he handles all of the staffing for our high school program. So definitely got to get Marty on the podcast so he can kind of fill you in on that stuff. Yeah. Um, so when it does come times, you know, you are hiring a coach. You talk about mm-hmm. it there a little bit, but what are some of those key things that you're looking for within a coach? And how do you go about finding these guys? Because, I mean, I'm sure it's not – I'm sure it's tough to find, you know, a good quality candidate when it comes to finding a good coach. How Like, how do you guys go about that process and what exactly are you guys looking for? Yeah, so it, it's really not necessarily like a, a job posting on Indeed if you will, right? It's usually uh, something that's done internally, whether it be through references or names that will be brought up to me from coaches that are well-established and and I trust within our program, right? And then I'll kind of go and seek out that that person and kind of make my own evaluation. So what that will consist of is, you know, having to sit down with them, kind of talking a little bit with them, get to know them, um, you know, give them a little bit of information about the the program, uh, listen very closely to, you know, what they say, right. Their responses, kind of what their values are, right. And, and me knowing 12 and all what the values are, I'm looking for things that align with that. Right. So with in some of the answers that I have to my questions. Um, and so those are some of the key pieces that, that I look for, um, being here in South Texas, it, we are, it's very rich in not just baseball talent, but baseball minds as well. Right. So I think when you when you factor in like the the amount of, of people that you have, right, is, is really good. But as far as finding the right fit, right, that's where the challenge comes into play. Right. Because um, when I go to hire somebody, I'm not hiring somebody just for the year. I'd like to hire somebody for the next five, 10 years. Right. Just because of how our structure is, we have that ability to not just add value to a coach professionally, but add value to that person as well. Okay. So you talk about how uh, this is still, this still amazes me, but down there in Texas, you guys are starting playing, you know, mid February is your guys' first couple games. Yeah. So with, you know, your first season kind of in Corpus Christi coming to a start here in a couple of weeks or so, what are you looking forward to most for your first spring, Um, you know, coaching players for the first time in, in Corpus Christi and also being that director for a season for the first time? Man, to tell you the truth, man, I, I'm looking forward to the growth that our players are about to have just being being a part of the program. Um, I think the the education that that I have strived to provide to not just our coaches, but our families, right, our players. Um, and because of that, right, I've been able to, to get our coaches to do the same, which it just spreads our message because the message is not coming from Trey Sanchez. It's coming from 12 baseball Academy, right? I'm just the ambassador for that initial art at the forefront of that message here in South Texas. So that's probably the biggest thing I'm most excited for is the growth, because when you talk about education, right? Education promotes buy-in, right? And that influences a long-term mindset. And that's something that kind of separates us uh, specifically here in South Texas than, versus outside other outside other organizations nothing against those guys by any means because they give us great competition anytime we square up together 
and I'm extremely grateful for those guys. But uh, this is a long-term investment for, for our families. Um, and so we try to promote a long-term mindset. And I think that this spring is going to kind of set that process into place, right, to kind of show everybody down here is, hey, look, you know, 12 is a little bit different than what we've seen to the area, which is fine. Um, and I, I'm a victim of that as well. I had, I was like shocked when I took, when I got into College Station and I was surprised how, how they did things. I'm like, man, this is legit. Like this is, this is really, really awesome for the players. Right. And so I think that's probably the big thing I'm looking forward to on the coaching side. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting our guys out there to go compete at a high level. Right. Um, and so from our 8U to our 14U here in South Texas, like all of our teams are high level, high caliber players um, and are not just any ordinary 8 through 14 year old. That's my message to them, uh, because if they were that, they wouldn't be in our program. Right. So they they have something within, within them that um, I am extremely grateful to to be a part of in their life. Right. Because what we are trying to do here is to provide them an opportunity that no one has ever seen here before or that I didn't have growing up when I was their age coming from South Texas. So that's what I'm most excited for. Yep. So with the, with the season starting here in a couple of weeks, what does the schedule look like for you, you know, starting maybe that first tournament leading up all the way till you know, that first of August kind of when travel baseball season comes to an end, you guys maybe start yeah. on 2024. What does mm-hmm. the next six, what does this next six months look like for you? Yeah, so really it looks like from a day-to-day standpoint, like the same administrative duties every morning of, you know, checking emails, um, you know, making sure, you know, checking weather for practices, you name it, right? Anything that comes up as far as if there's a schedule conflict or whatever, just dealing with that as best I can, maintaining communication with with families and parents, um, coaches, our general managers, Right. Uh, our admin staff as well as we kind of embark, get going in the season. So that that stays the same uh, schedule wise, team specific. Right. Uh, I do coach one of our 14 new teams. So our my schedule will encompass that on the weekends from February 18th all the way until really July the 8th. Right. Our 14 used do a little bit some things a little bit different than. Our 13 to four, our 14s are a little bit different than most others because they can kind of go a little bit more into the summer because it's high school prep around that time. So that'll that'll look pretty much long term what the schedule looks like. So 10 to 11 tournaments um, within the spring. Uh, a lot within that time, I do run camps. So we'll run camps during spring break. Uh, we'll run developmental camps during the spring as well, just to kind of. Uh, provide an avenue to players outside of our program that have a genuine interest in being a part of it um, and getting to be coached by the coaches in our program because they are uh, top-notch coaches, right? So setting that up for for the players in the area, for our coaches, as well as, you know, fast forward to like June, July, that's really the busiest months, I would say, in, in in my role is prepping for the 2023-2024 year um, from tryouts to, you know, invite invites to um, figuring out who wants to return to play for the next year, right? Um, you know, player evaluations, gathering that information, 
really analyzing it, reviewing it, getting with coaches at the end of the year or the end of our spring season to kind of see how the year went. Um, getting with our general managers to see something, get with them to see, you know, some things that they liked that they or they didn't like, obviously, um, just as a evaluative measure to see how we can get better. Right. So I would say it's definitely it, it definitely doesn't stop when tournament play starts. Right. Because for most coaches, like that's that's pretty much it. You know what I mean? Like they're focused on the tournament and player development, of course, which is fine. Um, and the same thing for me as a as being a coach, too. But as a director, it's a lot of the uh, looking ahead. Right. Managing the the day to day as it as it arrives, but also looking ahead into the next year and how do the things that I set in place right now affect the next six months. Right. Um, so that's that, those are the big pieces and evaluating our growth. I have to take all that into consideration when you talk about um, the facilities we utilize. Right. The time the time slots that we utilize for practice for 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 our hitting groups right for our camps you name it so those are it's a lot of you know just evaluative measures for sure yeah so i got two final questions here for you before we end it off you talk about growth there and now with you being that youth director i mean that's one of your jobs as you know growing that texas 12 brand especially there in south texas there in corpus christi where do you see these next you know, two, three, four years, you know, as a program there in Corpus Christi, and then maybe potentially for yourself as well, maybe what are some of those goals as you head into these next two or four, two, three, four years? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. Uh, to be honest, I, I see uh, Tech 12 South Texas in the next two to four years as becoming the conglomerate of 12 baseball, right? Uh, from from a, a player personnel standpoint, from a staff standpoint, from a uh, educational standpoint, right? Uh, those are the things that I base that criteria off of, which is, you know, trying to grow this branch and make it become the Mecca, right, of 12 baseball, just because we have that capacity to do so. Um, you know, one of the things that I I communicate to, to parents here, but also to, you know, my colleagues within 12, you know, that are in Katie Woodlands College Station, right, um, is, you know, in those areas, you have a lot of good baseball, phenomenal baseball, you have phenomenal football, really good, bas phenomenal basketball, for sure. Um, and guys get recruited to go do in, in those areas, right, to go play at a high level. Um, down here in South Texas, it's not, that's not the case, which is fine, right, it is what it is. Um, it's just baseball. And so because of that, um, there's a little bit of, of humble pride, I would say that I, that I, I have because, um, for a lot of players in our program, that's their way to kind of earn that, that education, right. Beyond high school, um, that opportunity to play at a high level, regardless of it's division one or Juco, right. Um, that, that is something that really is my goal, uh, for the program is to, promote that long-term mindset. So when that time comes for our now eight-year-old player, um, when they look back, they'll be like, hey man, like this was this was life-changing, right? Um, and I think within the next two to four years, we're gonna be able to to be that for for 12. And it because it only pro promotes the brand, 
mm-hmm. right? At the end of the day. And if it promotes the brand, it promotes our vision. And if our vision is being promoted, then it's fulfilling our purpose, right? Through through our Lord and Savior. So that's my vision, my goal. All right. So a follow-up question to that before we dig into that last yeah. question. So you talk about how you want South Texas to be maybe that Mecca of Texas 12 baseball. Obviously, mm-hmm. being part of the Texas 12 program, you want every branch to do great. But do you think sure. there is maybe an internal competition when it comes to, you know, Katy to College Station to the Woodlands, South Texas? I know there, there might be a couple other branches as well. Yeah. But is there internal competition there or do you guys not really look at that? I mean, I I would say for, for me, I don't feel like there's necessarily a, a competition, but be, being a, a fierce competitor myself and knowing that all my colleagues are, um, definitely for sure. There's got to be some some type of that there, right? Um, just like, hey, I want I want my branch to be the uh, the best, which is fine. Uh, you know, we 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 promote competition, and I'd be lying to you if I said that we didn't compete amongst each other, right? To uh, to have the best business operations, to have the best players, right? To have the best notoriety, to have the best coaching staff, right? I'll, I'll tell anybody that you know, anytime I get, right. Cause so, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's through, it's through humility, right. And it's through uh, a lot of, of humbleness that we do that because if, if we're competing with each other, right, we're only, we're only getting the program better. So uh, yeah, I, th- I do think definitely there's, there's a little bit of that, but not in a negative way by any yeah. means. Yeah. I mean, that's how you build your best culture in a business. I mean, yeah, I, sure. you know, so far in my young career, you know, I'm just 20, 21 years old, but, you know, I've worked in restaurants, working bars, you know, there's nice. internal competition at those types of places, you know, that, that that's what builds the best culture. But now, absolutely lean into my final question here on the JKR podcast. So obviously you've been a part of the Texas 12 for, you know, going on three years now, now here in 2023, the program started, you know, years before, probably before you started playing ball. For sure. What with you being an insider now for three years or so, what do you think has led to the success of this Texas 12 program that Coach Bennett, Coach Hodge, and all these guys have built, you know, over the past what I can't remember what how however however long ago it started. 17 years. 17 years. Okay. So like what do you think has been part of that success? I think the biggest thing has been the consistency uh in staying true to the mission. Right. So Part of that mission is to protect the love of the game for our players, right? Our, our baseball and softball players and promote a healthy environment, right? For those, and pro- provide a healthy and meaningful experience to those guys and girls. Uh, so I think that's probably been the biggest thing because uh, one of the things, one of the biggest pieces of advice I was given by, by Kevin Hodge um, was that our industry that we operate in is a very, very dark industry. Right. And so what we're trying to do is consistently year in and year out, shed light on that industry. Right. And being in this role as a director, I can see that darkness now. Right. And so that's why everything that I try to do from a business management standpoint is to make sure that that light continues to shine. And so I think for us, it's just the consistency and staying true to the mission. Right. And and to why we started this and why we do this. Right. And those three things factor into what I was talking about earlier from the day-to-day stuff, right? The the administrative stuff, because in our field, not that many people do it. They don't like to do it, which is fine. That That's fine. That's not a problem. Um, I like to do it. 
and so and everybody else that you've talked to from a director standpoint likes to do it on top of being um, phenomenal coaches, right? So I think that's the biggest piece that has allowed us to be sustainable for one, to grow in other areas and to stay in those areas. Um, I also think that it's it's a notoriety, right? By, you know, having that value in those missions, we attract the people that we want to have in our program. And majority of the time, those also come with really good baseball players. And so when those baseball players come into the fold and we get our hands on them, we, we coach them up, we develop them, they shine like no other and they have so much success and it comes back on the program and it only enhances the brand of the program. So I say that to say the, the winning, the, the, the development, the players, right, the, the accolades, like that's secondary to the mission, right? The mission is to provide, to shine some light on this dark industry by protecting the love of the game for, for the players that are in our program and outside. Yep. All right. Well, that was the final question here on the JKR podcast, man. Like I said, super pumped to get you on the show, you know, excited to dig into your career, how you kind of got to where you're at now. Obviously you're probably just a couple years older than me. Um, so I'm yeah, 26, 26. Okay. So I'm 21. So, you know, five years older. So you're going to be in this industry for a long time. Me hopefully as well be in this industry for a long time. I'm sure we'll cross paths, you know, yeah, like man. at some point, uh, but no, like I said, I'm thankful for you coming on the show. I'm thankful for this entire Texas 12 series in general, but no, thankful for you coming on the show, pumped to, you know, learn about how you got to where you're at now, maybe what your vision is for the future. Um, no, best of luck. You know, your first, your first season here in Corpus Christi this spring, yeah. this summer. Good luck with that. But no, man, like I said, just really appreciate you coming on the show. No, thank you for having me, man. Uh, anything I can ever do for you in the future, uh, just let me know. I really appreciate it. I will do my best to promote your show. Any chance I get, brother.